The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Psalm 56. Psalm 56 this morning. years ago, I was up in Kentucky with my family. You can only stay in the house for so long. You got to get out. So I was getting out and trying to find something inexpensive to do with my wife and kids. Psalm 56. And um, found this activity called geocaching. I've heard of geocaching. Well, it's basically looking for treasure, looking for treasure, cash, looking for treasure. Uh, you use a map or a compass or today a smartphone. Uh, and that's, you know, you, they have different caches. Actually, uh, they're all over the place. There's not one very far from where you're sitting right now, not very far. And basically, the goal is, number one, you, you find it, and it, sometimes it takes a little work to find it. And then once you find it, you, you open the box. It's in a container, waterproof container. You open the box, and it has a little uh, place where you can sign in, sign your name, that you were there, what, what day we were there. And uh, in that cache, there's, uh, there's treasure. There's treasure in there. And what you do is you take something that you want, and you put it in the cache, and you take something out. And uh, while I was up there, I was, you know, I was putting tracks in there and counting them later on, <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's treasure. So, but uh, it was interesting, fun little thing to do with the kids, very inexpensive. So, uh, why am I saying that this morning? Because what we have here in Psalm 56 is really some treasure. It's really treasure. And let's read it, Psalm 56 this morning. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. My enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me. O thou most high, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. For this I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man could do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. 
I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Father, pray, God, that you would come this morning. Fill me with thyself and do what I cannot do. Speak to the hearts of people. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. First us off this morning, I want to share with you David's circumstances. David's circumstances. If you read that subscription there at the beginning, it says, To the chief musician upon Jonath Elam Rechelkim, Mictum of David, when the Philistines took him to Gath. Interesting here, his circumstances. We see this is written to the chief musician, which many psalms were, and it's a, a tune. This tomb is that long word, which I will not repeat again, which basically means a silent dove afar off, or a silent dove in a distant land. This is a mixtum, a mixtum. It means, one person said, a golden psalm, something that's precious. When we have some engravings, we like to engrave them in gold or gold leaf. Gold is precious. Gold is, is a treasure. It's wonderful. It's good. But it's also a, it's something to be preserved. It's something that's special. And this mixtum, this golden psalm is something, uh, this psalm or song is something of, of David when he's in trouble that is something to be preserved, something for us to hear, something for us today. And it says, the circumstances, when the Philistines took him in Gath. Well, if you remember... David, in this situation, he's in trouble. Actually, if you'd like to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 21, you don't have to turn there, but if you'd like to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 21, we will read the trouble that David is in. Remember, he is fleeing from Saul, his father-in-law. Remember, Saul had slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Saul, the king, is envious of the man who would be king. And where there's envy, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's always strife. And even though he is his father-in-law, he's jealous of him. He's going after him. He's seeking his life. And David goes to uh, Elimelech, the priest, the priest of Nob, and he searches for food and he searches for weapons. But look in verse 8. The Bible says, And David said unto Elimelech, and is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Of course, he's not telling the truth, unfortunately. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take it, take it, for there is none, no other save that. Here And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. And David rose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went where? <laughs> Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing one uh, to another of him and dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David laid upon these, these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad. 
in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto the servants, Lo, you see the man is mad. Therefore then hath you brought him to me? You see the circumstances of David. David, the one who's anointed king. The David, the warrior, the one who slow, slew the giant. Now he's in fear. He's fearful of Saul. He's fearful to the place where he's running to his enemies. He's going to the land, the capital of the Philistines with the sword of Goliath in his hand. Now sometimes I look, I think I read these things and I said, David, what are you thinking? But you know what? Sometimes fear causes us to make bad decisions. And this is what's happening. Dear David, the king, the, would be, the king who would be, was anointed king, was fearful, was afraid. Because of that, he goes into this land of Gath and he feigns himself mad to the point where the king of the Philistines says, away from him, away from him. I don't even want him here. David's circumstances. Look back, go back there if you would to Psalm 56. 56. We see, first of all, in his circumstances, his trial. Thirty times nearly, David uses this these personal pronouns of me and mine and I, the trials that we have in life are oftentimes personal. And sometimes, oftentimes, I find we who are proud Americans often do not share the horror of our own hearts. And in our pride and in our fear, we say nothing. David making public his trial. He says there about his enemies in verse 1, Oh God, for man would swallow me up. He's talking about his enemies and how barbaric they are. They would swallow me up. Spurgeon says about this verse, the ogres of nursery tales is, exist in reality in the enemies of the church who would crush the bones of the godly and make a mouthful if they could. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have enemies. Psalm 90, verse 20, Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Not only were they barbaric, they were, num they were numerous. The Bible says there in verse 2, for they be many that would fight against me. We have many that would fight against us. The world, meaning the world system. This world is not my home. Thank God I'm just passing through. Oh, this world is not our home. This world is controlled by the prince of the power of the air. Our own flesh fights against us. We have that old man inside of us, that old Adamic nature. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7 and verse 15, for he says, for, but what I hate, that I do. We see str the struggle of a man who loved God. And if we're honest this morning, we all face that struggle. We all have that civil war going inside of us all the time where we, we want to do good and we do not do that which we know we should. We fall down, we get ourselves back up, but we struggle. The world is against us. Our flesh is against us. The devil is against us. He's deceitful. He's a slanderous. His chief desire is our destruction. He's a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. He desires our destruction. Our enemies are powerful. The Bible says, He fighting daily oppresseth me. They're spiteful and malicious. Verse 5, Every day they rest my words. It means all their thoughts are against me for evil. 
They misinterpret my words. They misapply. They pervert my words. They're united against me. They gather themselves together, verse 6. Wolves hunt and pack. Men of malice are cowards. Verse number 6. His enemies were subtle and crafty. The Bible says they hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Oh, how much enemies we have. And sometimes the midst of our enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil, sometimes we can get discouraged, can't we? Sometimes the enemies are around us, maybe our neighbor, or sometimes within our own household. As a young man, I got saved at 17 years of age and living a, a godless life. God called me at 17 years of age to be a preacher. And I had some in my own family said, drug, drug addict, maybe, maybe. Alcoholic, maybe, but never a preacher. You know what? We face lots of enemies. And you know what? The enemies around us are getting bolder and bolder, aren't they? They're getting darker and darker. The times that we live in are strange. Traditions are being destroyed. Ancient landmarks are being taken away. And I tell you what, folks. More and more, more and more, you and I have to stand up for the truth because this land is getting darker. We have enemies. And we can focus and talk about our enemies till kingdom come, but thank God David doesn't stay focused on the enemies. Look what he says there in verse 8. He says, Thou tellest my wonderings, thou put my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in my, thy book? David remembers that God remembers him. You know what we have to do in the midst of trouble, in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of being downtrodden and frustrated and upset and mad? We have to remember that God remembers us. God looks upon me. God has not forgotten me. God is not dead. He is not on vacation. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. God's alive. Hezekiah, chapter, Hezekiah, we read, Pastor read a few weeks ago in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 5, he read these words, turn again, after hearing that Hezekiah was going was to die. The Bible says, turn again, tell Hezekiah the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee on the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. God sees our tears. And in our pride, sometimes we don't want people to see our tears, do we? Sometimes we men, we, you know, it, it's not macho to be tearful. Hogwash. We, sometimes we try to hide our tears. We don't want to cry. But you know what? This is a warrior. This is David. This was not some wimp. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. He killed Goliath. With a, with a sling. This was not some wimpy guy that always cries. But every person has a breaking point. Every person comes to a place in life where we have to cry out, Lord, I need you. And sometimes, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the point exactly. We get so caught up in doing things for ourselves, don't we? We get caught, so caught up in pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, by the power of positive thinking, by just saying to myself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I know I can't. 
I know I can't, but God can. <laughs> I know Marty Moon can't, but God can. And there'll be maybe some around you today say, Moon, you can't do this. A friend, you can't do that. You ain't, you ain't no way possible. If I listened to everybody that said I couldn't do anything, I'd still be not doing anything right now. You know what? No, I can't do anything. But in God, I can do everything. And you can too. You can do anything you ought to do. Job chapter, 20, chapter 16 and verse 20. My friends scorn me, but my eye poureth out tears unto God. Jeremiah 9 verse 1. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He was weeping for others. He had tears for others. Of course, we know Jesus wept there at the tomb of Lazarus. He wept for his friend and wept there in the garden of Gethsemane. He wept. You know what? God cares. I love that old song. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long night dreary, I know my Savior cares. This morning, do you know your Savior cares? Oh, I can't tell you all the time about family. I can't tell you all the time about friends. But I can promise you this morning that God cares about you. That he's for you. That he loves you. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you, child of God. He's there with you. We see his trial. We see his tears. We see his trust. Who's he trusting in? He's trusting in God. I love that little verse. Psalm 56, verse 3. It's the verse to hang your hat. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. You ever get afraid? You ever get scared? You say, man, that's for, that's for children. No, this isn't a, this isn't a child. This is a man. It'll make a difference whether you're 3, 33, or 93. You get afraid. You start looking at the future. I, I, I tell you what, as a parent, I get a little afraid thinking about my kids going to be raised up in this United States of America. I get a little, I, I get a little worried. I mean, uh, they may come to me and say, Marty Moon, you're going you're gonna to marry these two men or you won't have a job. I'm not going to marry them. I would go to jail or die before I would. I might be in a cheese line. It's okay, I've been in a cheese line before. I guess I go to cheese line again. At least I'll get some cheese. <laughs> hey. hey, there's a day where they may take down that flag. Or they may take down that flag. It may take down all flags and put down a flag that we don't want to, we don't want to worship under. Hey, there's a day coming, you the United States of America. Hey, it's no telling what's going on. And you get people start saying, I'm afraid and I'm fearful. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? I don't know. But I know him who does know. And he's never failed me one time. How about you? He's, hey, he's always been there for me. And he'll always be there for you. His trust is in a person. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. I will put my trust in God. Who is this God? It's Elohim, God supreme. 2,601 times this word is used in the Bible. Psalm 56, 11, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. He puts his trust in God. He puts his trust in God's word. I love those verses in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. It says, For I am persuaded... Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, or things present, 
nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us? Can trouble or problems or politics or people? Can anything separate you from the love of God, dear child of God? No. And you and I need to rest in that. And we need to repeat that often. Why? Because worry gets in our mind, doesn't it? It starts to work. We start thinking, what if, what if, what if, what if? No, there's no what if. Hey, the final chapter's been written. We win. We win. Hey, sometimes sitting there watching my ball team, I'm on pins and needles. Are they going to win? Are they going to win? And my wife says, what are you doing now? You're killing yourself and you're killing me. Right? That's why I have a DVR. Thank God for it. Probably saved my marriage. Instead of three hours being miserable, I'm only miserable for an hour. But I know, I don't know who's, I don't know who's going to win. But folks, you read the end of the book, God wins. And we win. And God's for us. We see His trust. Trust is the same thing as faith in the New Testament. We need faith in God. We see His person, but not only that, in verse 12, we see His purpose. Thy vows are upon me, thy promises. His purpose. What was God doing in David's life? He was doing something for him. God often does things for us that we will not do for ourselves. You understand that? God does things for us that we will not do for ourselves. God is taking away crutches from David's life. He took away the crutch of a wife. Remember, married to Michael, Saul's daughter. He has to leave her. He has to flee from her to escape. He has to go. He has to hide. He no longer has the crutch of a wife. He no longer has the crutch of position. He was in Saul's army. He was a military man, a very good military man. He took the crutch of position away from him. He took the crutch of his friend, Jonathan, his friend whom he loved greatly, dearly. He took the, the crutch of a, of a friendship from him. He took the crutch of Samuel, the Samuel who was his mentor, the, took the crutch of, of Samuel away from him. He took the crutch of his own pride and dignity. Here he's, he's, he's feigning madness. He's acting like a madman. He's faking it. God takes away all these crutches in David's life to help him come to the place where God is all he has. And sometimes I've seen the lives of believers and the lives of children of God, God will take things away from us because we make things, people, stuff, idols. We hold on tight to them, too tight, where we love them more than they, we love God. And in God's love for us, like any father would love their children, he does what's best for us, even when our, the children do not like it. Sometimes my kids don't like to wash the dishes. <laughs> my son, son, daughter, it's time. You've denied, you said long enough. No, no, now it's time. Hey, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take out the garbage. I don't want to pick up the trash. I don't. What's best for you? And sometimes we as fathers have to discipline the children. It's never a pleasurable thing, but it is a necessary thing. David here is running away. He's going to the camp of the enemy. He's feigning himself. 
to be something that he's not. In the midst of all this fear, and God's doing something for him because God knows that David will someday be king. Would that God, that he, we would say, Lord, do what you need to do in our lives. Take away my health if you need to. Take away friends. Take away family. Take away whatever you need to in my life so that I can see you more. That's easy, that's easy to say, but harder to live, isn't it? But would that we know God? Would we know his power in our life? To be like Jesus, oftentimes we have to live like Jesus. And what did Jesus go through? He came into his own, and his own received him not. He was betrayed by, his, by Judas, one who followed him, them, him, him that was with him. He was beaten and ultimately crucified for those he came to save. We say we want to be like Jesus, but do we really want to live like Jesus? We see the purpose here. David, to be king. And we know, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. To them that are called, them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. David, what was he doing here and saying, thy, thy vows are upon me, thy promises? David was matching prayers with God's promises. He was matching God, his prayers with God's promises. God, you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Now, sometimes we got to say, Lord, is that true? The Bible tells us to taste and to see if the Lord is good. Do you ever test the Lord and say, Lord, are you good? Now, it's easy to say that when everything is fine, when there's money in the bank account and everybody's your friend and everybody likes you and all is well and you're happy, happy, happy. It's easy to say that, but when the funds are low and the bills keep coming, when friends and family forsake you, is God still good then? Is it good? He's is, is, is good when we're healthy and everybody around us is fine, but is He good when our health is gone and we're in the latter years of our life? And it looks bad and sad and lonely. Is he still good then? He's still good. But it's during those times of testings when we're going through the valley of shadow of death that we have to ask ourselves and say and remind ourselves, yes, God is good. Thy vows are upon me, thy promises. Martin Luther said the greatest preacher he ever heard was not a person. It was a bird. It was a robin. He would feed little bit of food to the bird and the bird would come and eat the food and it would go to the tree and perch and it would sing and at night he would put its head beneath its wings he said that bird trusts God more than most people you know it's true it's true it's easy to say you trust God when things are well but when things are difficult and your enemies are around you and it's 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 sad and it's bad those are the times we must remind ourselves that God is good. Oh, the circumstances look dire, but I want to focus simply on the circumstances. May I look at the confidence that David had in his God. Look at verse 9. But when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. I love that. Years ago, as a Bible college student, I was needing some encouragement. Evangelist Tom Farrell was walking down the way. I said, Brother Farrell, I need some encouragement. He said, Marty, I got something I want you to do. He said, take some words or a word from the word of God and memorize those words and repeat those words often when you're going through trials and temptations in life. And I tell you what, 
These words for me have been encouragement. This I know. Now, there's a lot of things in life I don't know. <laughs> a lot of things in life I don't, I don't know. And, and it's probably good I didn't know. You ever looked at, looked at sometimes and said, man, it's a good thing I didn't know that. I probably wouldn't have done it. Uh, I've gotten on some roller coasters before. And I thought, man, this looks awful fun. They're screaming and laughing and having a great time. But if I'd have known that was like that, I'd never got on that roller coaster. I don't care what my kid said. Dad, I promise I'll be good. Yeah, right. I don't hear you. I, I, I'm not getting on that roller coaster no matter what you say. Wow. But I know this. God is for me. God is for me. David's confidence, his, his persuasion is, I know God is for me. I'm, I don't, I'm not certain about my circumstances. I'm not, I don't know how this is going to end up. But I know God is for me. Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I think I've shared this before. My wife was not yet my wife. She was my girlfriend. She kept saying, well, I think I want, I think, I think. I said, no, 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 it's time, time to quit thinking. And said, are you, are you with me or not? And she grabbed my hand right by the fudge store. She grabbed my hand and she said, Moon, I'm with you. I said, praise God. And she's been with me almost 19 years. Thank God for, for a faithful companion that's been with me and faithful. But God, thank God for a friend, a father who loves us. When everything else is dark and life is dim, we don't know where to turn, there is a place we can go. There is a bomb in Gilead. <laughs> there is one we can, who is our rock, who is our fortress, who's faithful and true, who will never fail you, dear friend. This I know, for God is for me. But not only do he's persuaded of this, he begins to praise. He gets away from focusing on his enemies and begins to trust. He begins to realize what God is doing for him. He begins to praise. In verse 10, he says, In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. Back in verse 4, In God I will praise his word. He says this phrase, Interesting, in that second part of verse 10, he says, In the Lord will I praise his word. He goes from the word Lord God, Elohim, to Jehovah, Yahweh, the self-existent one, the eternal one. This, this word Yahweh or Lord is used 6,521 times in our King James Bibles. Oh, I need to know that a person that I'm calling out to, he's everlasting. He's true. He's self-existent. He's always been there. He knows the beginning to the end. I can call out onto him and know that he's there. Not some fly by night, not someone who one day will be there, one day will not, but he's true. He's faithful. He's the Lord. Oh, he's persuaded and he begins to praise and then he, he focuses on his promise, his promises to God. He begins to promise God things. He says in verse 12, I will render praise unto thee. Begins to praise, Lord. I'm going to praise you. And sometimes the best way to get out of our, if I, I say to the teens, stinking thinking, is again focusing on him who doesn't fail me. And start thinking about him, Jesus Christ, who went through the same thing. If Jesus went through troubles, if Jesus went through trials, if Jesus, if Jesus went through temptation, am I not going to go through some of the same things? If they did it to the green tree, won't they do it to the dry? If they persecuted him, aren't they going to persecute you and I? Yeah. I will render praises unto thee. 
We see his circumstances. We see his confidence. But not only that, we see in verse 13, we see his conviction. All these things bring him to the point where he makes statements. He says, these things I know to be true. And sometimes the only way to know things are true is to go through them yourself. <clears throat> years, a few years ago, my uh, tile needed to be cleaned. I started asking a bunch of people, hey, I'm, I'm going to clean my tile. How am I going to clean the tile? I didn't know how to clean tile. But one day I got the stuff and started cleaning tile for myself. Now that's not something I want to do again. But I can tell you now, I've done it. I've gone through it. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I know what it's like. And I'll recommend you have somebody do it for you. But you know what? You have to go through it yourself to be able to tell people what it's like. And through all this, when he starts out, be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresses me. He comes to the end of it in verse 13. He says, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Yes, God is merciful. God is merciful. Folks, I don't want justice. I'm begging God for mercy. I'm begging God for mercy in the United States of America. I'm begging God for mercy for my kids. I'm begging God for mercy for our land, for our people. I'm begging God for mercy for Gospel Baptist Church and School. Oh, I don't want justice. I'm begging God for mercy. I want that which I do not deserve. I need mercy. David cries out for mercy. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. Spurgeon wrote, mercy is like Noah's flood. It covers even the mountaintops. Not only as we see mercy, we see that he is mindful of us. He says, wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling? God thinks about me. He thinks about my steps. He thinks about my wanderings. He thinks about where I'm going. He dwells upon me. The God of creation, the King of kings and Lord of lords thinks about little old me. If he thinks about the sparrows, he thinks about you and me. If he knows the few hairs on my head, he knows about me. And he knows about you. Dear brothers and Sisters in Christ, don't let yourself be afraid. God knows the way that you take. He knows where your feet are going. We know He's merciful. We know He's mindful. But thank God, we know He's mighty. That I may walk before God in the light of the living. God is mighty. God will take care of me. I can walk before God in the light of the living. He's strong. He's mighty. He's powerful. I don't serve a weak God. I don't serve an impotent God. I serve a strong God, a mighty God, a living God that's alive. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. He's alive. And we can say that. We can walk around this, this world with confidence, not with our head down low and a frown on our face, but with a smile saying, my Lord lives. And He can live in you today. Oh, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to be make the Lord uh, be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ so the people look at us and say, something's different about them, you. I've known some Christians that I've, that I've met, and it looked like, man, they were in a train wreck every day. Not a train wreck every once in a while is okay, but a train wreck every day? I understand you lose your friend once in a while, but do you lose your friend every day? Every once in a while, it's good to smile and say, 
of my face. There's joy in my heart because Jesus lives there. Oh, we serve a great God. We serve a mighty God. We serve a wonderful God. Oh, we see David's circumstances were dire. He had enemies all around us. We see David's confidence, confidence in a God that loved him and and he persuaded that through all this difficulty, he knew that God was for him. He began to praise God. We see David's conv- conviction that through all these trials and problems, he could come to the end of his situation and say that God is merciful, God is mindful of me, and God is mighty. Do you know those things for yourself today, friend? Do you know these same truths for yourself? I hope you do. There was a man by the name of William Cowper. He wrote a great hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood. Wow, what a wonderful song. What a wonderful hymn. He couldn't always say those words. At the age of six years old, his mother died. Went to a boy's home and was beaten. Because he was just a scrawny little kid, they beat him up. He was depressed most of his life. Tried to take his life. Was put in in a sane asylum for 18 months. But in his 30s, he began to read the Bible and he came to Romans 3.23, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. He recognized his sin and he recognized that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. And he asked Jesus Christ to be his personal Savior. He became friends with John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace. Sometimes great songs and great hymns are written after great tragedy and great problems. William Cowper says these words. He said, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessing on your head. May God give us mercy and grace. May we look to God when times of trouble and times of problems, may we see God for who He is. May He be real to us so we can, so Christ can be seen in and through our lives to other people. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. Father, we thank You for the trials, though it's easier said than lived, but only through trials and difficulties Do we often get close to you? Take away the crutches of our lives. May we cling to you and the cross only. May, you t- may we turn our eyes from this world that is dark and dim and look upon your heavenly face. Do what you must do in our lives to help us see you. With head bowed and eyes closed today, maybe someone in this room is going through some trouble.
See you.